Last week, we looked at Jesus' words in Revelation 2 and 3. And I asked you to listen for something that, not just what Jesus said, but something that Jesus might be saying, like I mentioned earlier, to a church like ours. You may have noticed when we heard the words of Jesus that with most of the churches, there was at least one thing they're doing well, a commendation. Good. Good for you. Keep up the good work. And then a criticism, something that's like, yeah, you used to do this and now you don't, or you, you know, false start, never quite did it, some things you got to work on. But always, like we said, a promise. With every church, there was this vision that was cast, because this is where we're going, because this is what's important. And even if things are weird now or hard now, we know that we're, we're heading toward the promises of God, eternal life with the Lord, being clothed in white and all the ways that he described that. And I asked you guys to listen and to record what you heard, kind of like Jesus told John. Like, hear what I'm telling you, write it down, and send it to these churches. I wanted you to listen and write these things down, and then come this next Sunday ready to share with your tables. If you didn't do that, that's okay. You can listen in. You can still, you can real quick read (laughs) Revelation 2 and 3 and have your Bible open and say, hey, here's something that Jesus said and says, and maybe this has something to say to me or to the Tri-Valley Church as a whole. I'm going to turn you guys loose to your tables to discuss that for several minutes in just a a, a moment. Uh, But I wanted to share with you some of my thoughts as I read Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, one, you may notice that I have this lampstand here. And this is just, not just because I like playing with fire, which I do, but uh, Jesus describes the churches, each church, as a lampstand. And John turns and sees Jesus in Revelation 1. He's standing among seven lampstands. And it's explained to us these lampstands are the seven churches. When you think about a lampstand, I went and dug this out of our shed. Um, it's not all that exciting. Like, it's, it's got a great, beautiful light on it, but if you get rid of that, it's just kind of like a piece of metal. Probably wasn't all that expensive. I mean, I could bend this in half and put it in the recycling. We would be done with it. By itself, it just, it's kind of plain. It's kind of ordinary. But the reason it's valuable is because of what it holds. It's because... It contains the light. It possesses the light. The lampstand itself is not the light, but it is just something that prepares itself to receive the light and to transmit the light. When uh, John is describing the coming of Jesus in John chapter 1, he describes uh, John the Baptist. Now there was sent from God a messenger. This happened to be Jesus' cousin, a man who's kind of a wild man, uh, lived out in the desert and ate locusts and wild honey. You remember this guy? Quite a character. His, John tells us, and then John the Baptist will go on and tell us himself, he himself was not the light. Like you should be waiting for someone who is the light of God. Now John, John wasn't the light. And they make it a point. That's kind of like the churches. We are not the light, but we have something that's very, very valuable. And it's kind of up to us. And maybe we sometimes do what I just did, which is we take the light and we put it aside and we focus more on the stand itself. And we say, oh, you know, maybe it's a little dusty. We should polish it up. Or maybe it's not tall enough. We need to raise it up. Or maybe it's not positioned just right and... I love the church, 
I think the church is important, but the church without the light is just kind of an exercise in missing the point. The church's role is to be the bearers of Christ, to be the light that shines, to be in the community that we have and the way that we love and serve one another and our world. The light of Jesus. The most important part of the lampstand has nothing to do with the lampstand. It is what is on the lampstand. It's one thing I thought about as I was reading the first three chapters in Revelation. And another thing is, if you focus on what Jesus commends the churches for, and also what he kind of criticizes the churches for, have to ask the question, are the things that Jesus praised them for, are they the same kinds of things that we pride ourselves in today? Sometimes yes, but maybe not. Yazzie read for us the list of some of the commendations to the churches earlier, and I just want to summarize some of them. Jesus says, here's what you're getting right. Ephesus, your untiring, vigilant work. Smyrna, your brave suffering, which is interesting because he doesn't say like, oh yeah, you know, things are hard and they're gonna get better soon, like hang in there. It's just like, no, you're suffering and that's forming you and that's something to be valued. Pergamum, he's their praise for their courageous witness. They hold the light. They share the light. They take witnessing the resurrection of Jesus seriously. And Thyatira, for growing and developing discipleship. Philadelphia was praised for their brave steadfastness. I wonder if these are the same measuring sticks that we measure ourselves with. Our suffering? Ooh. How's your church? Do you like going to your church? Yeah, I do. We go there and we have to suffer through uh, long sermons or... There's a lot of, we emphasize the pain and the struggle of following Jesus. Ooh, I'm not going to go to that church. One time, uh, a family told me that they uh, were leaving the church that I was preaching at because they didn't like that the sermons made uh, them feel bad. This is is a weird story, and I'm trying to tell it in a nuanced way. Um, but the feedback that I got was, your preaching is too, it's too challenging, or maybe it's not joyful enough, or it doesn't represent the hope in Christ enough. You could tell this comment stuck with me, and my response is, well, I'm going to take that and say, maybe I, I'm not joyful enough. Maybe I see following Christ as more of a struggle than a joy and a privilege. You know, I think you have to have that balance. But their criticism was like, we show up and you make us feel bad. And my response is, I don't want to just only make you feel good because where's the challenge? But if there's too much challenge, I don't really know. But when I look at Revelation 2 and 3, I see balance in what Jesus says to the churches. Okay, for the most part, uh, Laodicea Church doesn't get any, doesn't, he doesn't say anything good about them. They are all just a work in progress. But Jesus is the one who will commend us. He'll encourage us, and we need that. He's also the one who will give us honest feedback that we need to hear too. Without that, we may not grow. We may just do the same thing each time and say, ah, we're fine, let's just you know, rinse and repeat. But then also he directs us forward to the hope that we have to spur us on and to motivate us. And I think that that's, that's valuable. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. The church is the place where we come to find out what we are doing that is right. It is a place of affirmation. 
The church is the place where we come to find out what we are doing that is wrong. It is a place of correction. The church is the place where we come to hear the promises. It is a place of motivation. No Christian community can do without any part of this message. We need affirmation, we need correction, and we need motivation. Maybe sometimes we're in balance of those things, maybe sometimes we're not. Um, But I appreciate that this congregation is a church that has ears to hear what Jesus has to say to us. Take the good stuff and run with it. Take the, the criticism and be honest about what we need to do that we aren't doing or stop doing that we are doing. But always, always, always look ahead to God's promises and the hope that we have in Christ to really, truly be the lampstand where the light that is Jesus Christ is at the center all the time. So anyway, if I was at your table, I would have dominated the conversation and I would have taken way too much time to say what I just said. But now I want you guys to share what you heard uh, the Lord say in these verses as we hear um, Jesus talking to these churches. And do that for like 10, 15 minutes. Ready? Go. All right, everybody. I'm going to say one more thing, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer. I appreciate you guys sharing at your table groups. Thank you for people online. We got some comments in the chat, and we heard people were sharing in their homes, and so this is good. This is... I realize the failure of this exercise is I never give you enough time. I'm sure you guys could talk about this through lunch and into the afternoon. And maybe we need to do that more often. We need to create more spaces like this to hear Don Pemberton and just the people at your table saying, hey, what are we hearing God say through us to one another? I want to confess something, and that is... uh, A lot of the time, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, And I laugh because it's awkward to say, but I mean that with 100% sincerity. Especially during, I've described it to people like this, over the the, the pandemic and the shutdown and all our church's online season and all of that, I felt like a lot of what I was doing as a leader, what I was doing as a Christian, was just like flying blind, like I was in an airplane in totally dense fog, and I couldn't see anything. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I'm near where I'm supposed to be. I don't know if I'm 100 miles off course. I don't know if I'm about to crash into a mountain. I just don't know. And that's the feeling that I had. And maybe you can relate to that. It's like, oh, we're just doing the best that we can. Um, my friend is a pilot. He said to get his instrumentation test, they fly you up in a plane and they cover all the windows and you just have to rely on your instruments. You don't get to see the horizon. You don't get to see the sun. You don't get to see the runway. You just, and that sounds terrifying to me. As I think about that image and my experience in the last few years and my confession that even now, a lot of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I think about those instruments and I think about Christ being kind of a gauge something that we can rely on. When we can't see, when we don't know, we can trust that what Jesus says is true. And as we hear these messages to the seven churches, we hear him saying, if nothing else, be a faithful witness. Nothing else, don't lose that first love that you had, the love for me and the love for one another. Persevere, be faithful. 
Revelation 2 and 3 has a lot to say to us today uh, as a congregation. So I, I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you guys talking. Keep the conversation going. Share what you shared in your groups with others. Share them with, with me and other Tri-Valley leaders. Right? We're just trying to be faithful. But if nothing else, we want Jesus to be at the center of what we do. Uh, we want to be the lampstand that holds up the light of the world. So that's all for that. And now I want to close out like we normally do with prayers for one another.